Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome, folks. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show. Uh, it is Veterans Day, and I just want to salute uh, our veterans who keep us free and protect our freedoms, such as they are. I think they're dwindling in this country, but uh, so thankful to the people who have um, fought for our country, and they are heroes. We salute their bravery, their courage, their brotherhood. You know, I just uh, finished watching streaming um, the uh, the the TV sh- uh, series Band of Brothers, and if you haven't seen that, folks, it might be worth this Veterans Day weekend if you're not crammed watching football to watch that series. I think it's five or six one hour segments, but it it just shows the incredible sacrifice that the greatest generation made in fighting the Japanese and the Nazis and. Uh, unbelievable courage that, you know, it's hard to believe that people could could uh, do what those soldiers did. And so um, it makes you proud to be an American. And I just want to salute all the people who have worn the uniform and are still we- uh, wearing the uniform and keeping us free. Now, I want to say that uh, at 77 WABC, we are supporting the Tunnel to, T- Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Uh, and if you want to help, all you have to do is go to wabcradio.com slash T2T. That's the number T, I mean, the letter T, the number two, the letter T to donate uh, to the to the foundation. Uh, and so it's an important one. We also support the Lee Greenwood concert experience this Sunday. That's uh, tomorrow. You can send a veteran and their guests to see Lee Greenwood's all-star concert experience and receive the DVD version for yourself for a $50 contribution. So learn more and support a veteran now at adoptavet.com. That's adoptavet.com. It's so important that we do this, by the way, that we hold our veterans in such high esteem. And uh, I remember when uh, the Vietnam veterans came back that they were spit on and um, disrespected. And for those who served, I think, I don't know if we actually have any, there aren't too many World War II veterans left on this, on this earth. My dad was a World War II veteran. He died, I think, two years ago at the age of 94. So there may be a few, there may be a few World War II veterans, uh, but we have so many Korean War veterans. We have veterans of Vietnam. We have veterans of uh, um, uh, the Middle Eastern Wars. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for everything you do. Okay, so let's get back to economics. Um, I want to talk about a few things. I I also want to talk a little bit about politics. By the way, I promise I am putting my hand on a Bible right now that I will take your calls this week. Uh, The last two weeks, I said I would at the beginning of the show, and then we got so carried away with our discussions with our guests that I ran out of time. I'm only going to have one guest this afternoon, my good friend, John Fun, who worked with me at the Wall Street Journal for, he worked there for, I think, 20 years. I worked there for 10 years. He is one of the top political minds. We're going to talk about what went wrong in these elections on Tuesday, if you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, you're probably very happy. By the way, we are not, I am not a rah-rah Republican. I don't, I'm not here to say Republicans are the solution to our problems. I know a lot of, I bet a lot of our listeners are actually independents, not Republicans or Democrats. Um, but if you are a Republican, then you've got to be somewhat disappointed with the results of what happened on Tuesday. It was not the repudiation of what Democrats have done to our country in the last two years. I would have liked to have seen a repudiation, but it wasn't. Um, I want to pick up on a theme. By the way, my question of the day when we get to your 
uh, calls. And by the way, that number, and don't call yet, call in about half an hour. 1-800-848-9222 is the More Money Hotline. 1-800-848-9222. And I'm going to ask you this question. Why do you think that voters did not repudiate Democrats or why did they not vote Republicans? Now, look, it wasn't a terrible election, but it wasn't the kind of election that Republicans had hoped. Uh, They did not pick up uh, the seats they had hoped to in Virginia. They lost a lot of of races in the state of Pennsylvania, which is being a critical one. Uh, And so um, it just wasn't the results that Republicans wanted to see. And my question is, why? What's wrong with the Republican messaging? You've got a president of the United States who's a Democrat who is a complete failure in everything he's done. We do not have a secure border. We do. We have um, a the largest debt and deficit in the history of this country. Uh, we have fentanyl coming into the country. We have... Um, we have armed basically our enemies in the Middle East because of his crazy war on American energy. We are not energy independent any longer. I mean, I could speak for 15, 20 minutes of the things that have gone wrong. We have had the highest inflation rate in the last 40 years. We have the highest mortgage interest rates in 40 years. Um, we've got big, big problems, in my opinion, on this economy and our border and all these things. And yet voters seem to be, um, seem to be almost giving a thumbs up to the to the Biden Democrats. I don't understand that. Maybe someone has an explanation. I mean, Republicans are not very good about talking about these issues. Now, in the before um, I'm done with this uh, monologue, I want to mention one other thing. And Larry Kudlow and I talked about this in the preceding hour. By the way, it's an honor for me to to follow the Larry Kudlow show. Um, but Larry and I were talking about Social Security, and if you watch that debate. Uh, there was a moment when uh, when Nikki Haley was talking about how we have to cut Social Security benefits. And I'm here to tell you, I think that is so lunatic. I think that is a prescription for a disastrous election. This is playing right into the Democrats' hands. The Democrats are going to say, oh, the De- Republican Party is the party that wants to take away your abortion rights. And by the way, I'm a, I'm a pro-life guy. I, I don't like abortion. Um, but uh, I, I think for the Republicans to be always talking about that issue is a mistake. And I say that as someone who is pro-life and does believe in um, that life does belong, uh, I mean, uh, begins at at, uh, conception. I believe that my whole life. I'm a Catholic and that's what we believe. But you want the Republicans to go out there and tell 40 million seniors, 50 million seniors that we're going to cut their social security benefits? Is that crazy? Is that going to guarantee the Democrats a massive blue wave election? I say yes. And instead of doing that, why don't they talk about making Social Security a better deal for young people? Um, I'm 63 years old, so sometime in the next few years, I'll be eligible for Social Security and Medicare, and I'll be part of the problem, I guess, because that's the way it works. And by the way, the baby boomers are retiring at the at the pace of 10,000 uh, retirees a day, a day. So, uh, you know, we're the biggest cohort generation ever. And uh, there are tens of millions of us that are soon going to be collecting these benefits. But we've been ripped off. If you're a baby boomer or you're a Generation Xer or Generation Y or you're a millennial, Social Security is not a good deal for you. It's not a good deal. The average monthly benefit today is $1,800 a month. Tell me how somebody can live on $1,800 a month. You could if this were the 1950s or the 1960s, but not now. And I'm here to tell you that if we simply created a system, and I'd love people's reaction to this, I've I've been the Pied Piper of this message for the last 30 years, allow people to take a portion of that money that goes into Social Security, into the what I call the black hole of the non-social security trust fund. And by the way, I hope that you all are sophisticated enough to know there is no trust fund. There's no, what was the term that, uh, that uh, Al Gore used the lockbox? Remember that the lockbox, like there's some kind of uh, a box with a lot of money in it. That's your account. There isn't the, the government, the politicians have spent the social security money. They came in, we paid hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars of social security taxes. And guess what? The politicians spend it on everything else. They spend it on foreign aid. They spend it on the Department of Education. They spend it on all these wasteful programs. Now the money's been spent. 
So what I'm saying is why don't we create a system where young workers could voluntarily, and this would be voluntary, if you want to stay in the current system as it is, that's fine, but they could voluntarily take, say, 10% of their paycheck each month because the payroll taxes for Social Security is 12.3. So you could take 10 percentage points and you could put that into like a 401k plan. And you wouldn't choose your stocks. It would just be an index fund of all the stocks in the American Stock Exchange. So you'd be a partial owner of every company. And if you did that, look, the average rate of return in real dollars, uh, you know, adjusted for inflation for the last um, 100 years has been 6 or 7% real return on the stock market. The Dow Jones, when I uh, started working, was at 1000 Today, it's at 35000 Imagine how much money those of us who are in our 50s or 60s or 70s would be making if they had allowed us to do this. I, I said this on Larry Kudlow's show. I'll repeat it. The average benefit would not be $1,700 if we had allowed people to put their money into a, a private fund. It would be $17,000. They'd be making 10 times more. By the way, another benefit of this program is it would be a great way to have a kind of system of share the wealth in this country. So every American would own a piece of the rock because you would actually own something. In Social Security, you don't own anything. You don't own anything. All of you know what's happening is a lot of the wealth goes to the wealthy. And I guess I'm sounding a little like Bernie Sanders here, but yeah, let's spread the wealth. Let's have every single American worker own stock in this country, own stock in our great businesses, whether it's Google, Apple, Amazon, uh, all of the great companies that have made so much money. And so this is a much better solution than cutting people's benefits. Uh, I want to hear from you all on this because I'm really uh, upset. I think Republicans are making big mistakes. Okay, I got a break, but I want to make one other point. This just came across my, uh, this news bulletin from Bloomberg, and it is, makes me so angry that the Biden administration, are you ready for this? The Biden administration has already, already forgiven a hundred, something like a hundred and fifty billion, not a hundred and fifty million, a hundred and fifty billion dollars of student loans. This is outrageous, folks. These were adults who took out a loan, who went to college with that money. They signed on the bottom line. They said they would pay the money back. And now the government is saying a hundred and fifty billion dollars does not have to be repaid. You know who are the suckers here? Are the people who acted honorably and did pay their student loans back. I think this is outrageous. Rather than cutting Social Security benefit, why don't we get that money back from the people who didn't pay their student loans? Why don't we get the $200 billion that's been stolen from the COVID funds, from PPP and the rental assistance program and the food stamps program and all these programs? And they were just criminals ripped off these systems and the government's doing nothing about it. So I say that's where we get our money. That's how we help balance the budget, not cutting the benefits of our senior citizens. I'm Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show. We'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show on WABC. Talk Radio. Now it's time for one of my favorite segments of the show when we talk to two of the financial experts in the country because this is a, a show is called More Money so you can make more money. And I'm talking about, of course, Bob and Ryan Payne of Payne Capital Management. Gentlemen, thanks so much for joining as always. Oh my gosh, I'm getting seasick watching this market. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you, you've been in this uh, business for uh, several decades, and it's just, you know, one week it seems it's up 200, 300 points. The next week it seems it's down 200, 300. 
What's an investor to do? Well, an investor has to be what the definition of an investor is. Stay invested, Steve. You know, the, um, <laughs> right. you know we're, yeah, we're at 34,000 on the yep. Dow. We were at 18,000, you know, when COVID hit. Um, yeah. So, you know, you get two, three hundred points is what it used again. to be. When, when, wait, when COVID hit, we were at 18,000 18, on the Dow. And uh, as we speak so right in, now, wait, a minute, the, wait, 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 wait. So in three in what, three to four years, we've seen uh, uh, almost doubling in the stock market. Yeah, that's exactly correct. I mean, it's, uh, you know, if you and unfortunately, a lot of people panic and sold, you know, because we right. had a 35 percent decline, you know, when uh, when they shut down the global yeah. economy. And yeah. again, every dip in history has been a gigantic buying opportunity. And this is just another oh, good example. Gosh, that is such a good lesson. <laughs> you know, it I is. mean, I was one of those people who panicked, Bob. Oh, Steve, come on. <laughs> you're breaking my heart. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ryan, uh, you know, basically, I think what uh, Bob is saying is, you know, buying the dip can be a good investment strategy. Do you just do you agree? Yeah. And I think this year, same thing, right? We've had a little bit of a dip here. Uh, after the summer and markets are starting to rebound again after the pullback that yeah. we've already seen. Yeah. And I think, you know, we like to look at the fundamentals and I just don't think things have changed much. You've got inflation moderating. Right. Uh, you still have strong wage growth. If you look at jobs claims this week, they came in uh, less than expected. So, uh, you know, job market's still hot. Wages stay strong and you start looking at the earnings estimates going into next year. We're going to see double digits earnings growth next year. So, you know, really? there's a lot to be optimistic about. Um, and most, won't, yeah, you don't hear that very often, but I mean, we're going to start seeing an acceleration in earnings and that's great for stocks. Yeah, I'll say. I mean, if you're right about double digit earnings, then uh, this is a good time to be get invested in the market for sure. What about the bond market? What, what do we do about that? Well, you know, we've had some trouble with the bond market in that uh, the rates had First, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates 550 basis points. Uh, so the short end of the market went up. And then they got they paused the last two meetings, and suddenly the longer end went up. So we have what we call a flat curve, where you can get 5% right. for a three-month treasury. You get 5% for a five-year treasury, 5% for a 10-year. So you get the idea. But, you know, since last week, Steve, rates have dropped pretty dramatically. And, you know, it's, it seems like only half a percent. But when you're at 5%, that's a pretty dramatic drop. So bond yields are the best they've been in basically 16 years. So it's a time to own bonds, right? To not just mm -hmm. own short-term bonds, but get invested in municipal bonds and longer-term treasury bonds so you can have that income for your retirement years. So, uh, Bob, a year from now, uh, you guys are predicting double-digit uh, in, um, uh, increases in earnings. What do we see? What's your forecast for what happens with interest rates over the next year or so? Well, I believe rates are, are going to fall because you have, you know, inflation is moderating. Um, right, you know, right. I, I, Jerome Powell was on this week and he was talking about inflation. He had a chart right behind him. I mean, you can see it. It, <laughs> it peaked at 9%. It's down to 3.7 or 3.5%. Yeah. And the graph, I mean, you don't have to listen to what he's saying. Just look at the graph. You know, the chart shows that the direction is down. So if inflation goes down, I think rates are going to follow. You, do you agree with that, Ryan? I do, because we know shelter costs are a huge component to that CPR inflation number. And we know the current rentals are starting to come down. Even here in New York City, you're starting to see rent soften a little bit. Oil prices have had a nice drop here, which is very disinflationary. That affects everything. So I think all the signs point towards lower inflation going into next year. Um, and if the Fed can win without causing a recession, and we think that that's the case because productivity is going up as well. Um, I, I see the Fed declaring victory and starting to cut interest uh -huh. rates sometime. You know, the futures market says by the middle of next year. So if you guys are right, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're, you're bullish on stocks and bonds right now. So this is a really good time to, uh, to be investing, it sounds like, and, and getting your money off the sidelines. It truly is, Steve, because you looked at the last, um, you know, last three months were brutal, right? We had uh, all the year's gains were basically given back until – about a week ago, 10 days ago, and we had the market, uh, you know, go up about 5.6% on the S&P. Interest rates went down. Your bond portfolios went up. So it's like a seesaw, right? Interest rates go up, everything in price goes down. When the interest uh -huh. rates go down, the other side of the seesaw goes up. So I believe this is once in a generation opportunity to get invested wow. in a diversified portfolio, not just the mega cap 
you know, or Magnificent Seven. You need to be in a mm-hmm. diversified portfolio. Best opportunities I've seen in years. So, Rob, when you and I are on uh, Fox News, which is often together, uh, we, there's all these economists out there saying, oh, my gosh, a recession is right around the corner in 2024, 60% of a recession. You buy that? <laughs> the same economists that were wrong last year, Steve? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> that wasn't me, by the well, way. I, think wanna, about, I wanna let you know. I did obviously not you. <laughs> you know, America loves when you and I are on together because it's like two optimists yeah. that to see things the right way. Um, but look, yeah. think how remarkable this is, right? The Fed increased mm-hmm. interest rates 525 basis points, which, by the way, is a lot. <laughs> Just put in layman's terms. And we had last quarter, we saw year-over-year GDP growth or economic growth was up 3%. So, you know, now if we think that inflation is moderating and the Fed will cut, um, you know, that'll be an actual tailwind for the economy. I, I think when you go into next year, the big surprise is we won't see a recession. We may see economic growth slow a little bit, but again, I keep going back to we have full employment, uh, wages are going up and moderating inflation. It's a great, great combination to keep economic growth going and keep the consumer spending. Well, that is a great outlook. Uh, we are optimistic on this show. We are about more making more money. And uh, that's, by the way, Rob and, uh, Bob and Ryan Payne of Payne Capital Management. Uh, why don't you take us out with your rallying cry for, uh, for investors? Well, I got a lot of those. <laughs> Our well, rallying cry is... Be bullish. <laughs> keep keep it simple right be bullish here and i think the, the other message is cash is trash it's been so seductive to get that five percent sitting in cash but look if bob and i are right and the fed starts cutting next year that five percent yeah. you're getting on your money market fund all of a sudden is four percent or three percent and you've missed the boat on locking into longer term rates and taking advantage of the fact that the market right now is at a very very reasonable multiple Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great weekend, folks. We'll be right back. This is the More Money Show on WBC Talk Radio. Hey, and if you're thinking to yourself right now, okay, Bob and Ryan, you've been right. The economy hasn't fallen off a cliff right now. The world doesn't end very often. I need to get my finances in order. I need to figure out my retirement plan. Well, here's your shot to do it. We leave 10 slots open every week. If you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement, Bob and I will run for you our total financial master plan. And we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We literally look at everything. There's not a firm out there that will do this work up front. We're going to go ahead and build you your own personalized financial portal, give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life. And we're just going to hone in on every financial issue you need to address today, whether it's an income plan for retirement. How do you take Social Security? There's lots of ways to take it. There's only one right way for you. We'll help you pick that out. How do you draw from your portfolio in the most tax-efficient way? And how do you factor in inflation? Your costs are going to double over the next 20 years because of inflation. We're going to put together a full dynamic income plan, show you how to pull from your portfolio without running out of money. We're going to look at diversification. Markets have been all over the place for the last two years. A complete yo-yo. Has your portfolio been all over the place? Or have you been sitting in cash? Paralysis by analysis. You can't figure out what to do. We're going to put together a full investment game plan. We're going to tie it to your goals. We're going to show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you those high cost, fee laden products that are extremely tax inefficient, whether it's an annuity, structured product, mutual fund, brokerage product. We'll do a deep dive of every investment you own. We'll show you how to reduce all the costs, optimize your portfolio for taxes because it's not what you make, it's what you take. You'll get Bob and I's full tax playbook. We have 10 slots if you saved over a million dollars for your retirement for the entire show. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLANNYC. If you're one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now there's no cost, there's no obligation, but you won't have a plan if you don't text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply give us a call at 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. So Bob, at our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course that's P-A-Y-N-E, 
we've learned over the years with all our years of financial planning, and that's really what we focus on, that it's so critical for you and your spouse to be on the same page when it comes to putting together that plan. So I thought we could discuss some of the trials and tribulations that we've seen over the years when you and your spouse are not on the same page and why it's so important that the two of you make your financial decisions together. Yeah, it's really important, Brian, especially when it comes to beneficiary on things like an annuity or a pension. Believe it or not, there are a lot of people still have pensions being paid to them and they have the wrong benefit information, the wrong you know, inheritance information listed as a beneficiary you know, on those forms. Um, and let's face it, you know, if uh, I'm a husband and uh, my spouse, uh, based on actuarial assumptions, is going to outlive me. And so many times I've seen that there's been a 100% you know, benefit paid to the holder, but zero to the beneficiary who's your spouse. If you love your spouse, you got to check those beneficiary yeah. forms. Yeah, and it's so critical that you run those numbers, right? Because what if you pass away, your pension's over, um, and you still need to account for your significant other still living another 10 years or 15 years, whatever it happens to be, you've really got to have that longevity planning. It's also critical when it comes to Social Security, depending on the age of your spouse, uh, depending on if they worked or didn't work, how you claim your Social Security strategy. But when it really comes to figuring out what kind of income that both of you are going to need, you have to do it over both of your lives. And to your point, Bob, typically men, we don't live as long as women. Um, so when it comes to longevity, you really have to figure out the, uh, the wife typically uh, is probably going to live longer than you. And how do you account for that and in inflation as well? I think it's pretty simple, Rye. You have to look at yourself, look at, look at your, your life and say, hey, am I a rule of thumb life? You know, I mean, there's no rule of thumb for you. You're a unique individual. Every, every couple's unique. Every individual's unique. And there's so many different unique claiming strategies when it comes to Social Security. And, you know, with inflation going up, that benefit's going up every year. So if you claim it improperly, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. And I'll tell you one thing my parents taught me, don't leave money on a table. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing that's important, too, is it's not the same for everybody, right? Your situation is unique. So your, in, uh, your Social Security claiming strategy is going to be different than everybody else's. And it's got to be coordinated with the income from your portfolio, whether you have a pension, don't have a pension. But it's just so critical to factor in all those different incomes. The other critical point here is a lot of you have different accounts in different places. Maybe your spouse has a 401k from an old job. You have a 401k from your old job. You have old IRAs out there, old brokerage accounts. But putting all those assets on the same page and making sure that everything is working together is so, so important. You don't want to manage your accounts in a vacuum and you don't want to do it separately. You want to make sure that everything is on the same page in a concerted effort. And that's a mistake that we see all the time is you're not managing all your assets together. It's a big no-no. You know, Rod, let's face it. We work with a lot of couples where you have one person who is the financial decision maker, the one person who focuses on the finances, on the investments. Sometimes it's the husband, sometimes it's the wife, right? And it's very rarely both. So what I love about what we do for our clients and what everyone should have is our portal, our financial portal, where you can store all that information. Because if you're the disinterested spouse, guess when you become interested? When the other spouse is gone. And if you don't know where anything is, you know you need a place to go to make sure that you're accounting for every dime you're entitled to and all the income that you need to live you know, a lifetime of income you know, without any stress. Yeah, and such a good point because a disinterested spouse needs to get interested. <laughs> you, know, you have to get them yeah. involved because a lot of times maybe you have a high risk tolerance and you own lots of individual stocks and all of a sudden you, know, you don't mind that the portfolio can be extremely volatile, but to leave that for your spouse who may be risk averse could be a terrible thing to do. So making sure that you are both on the same page when it comes to risk, because a lot of times you're not just managing the money for yourself, you are managing it for your disinterested spouse. And that's really, really critical. Um, so getting your other spouse involved in that whole conversation, and to your point, if you're not on God's green earth, having one point of contact that your, your spouse at that time can contact and know where everything is, like we see this all the time. It's a nightmare when the disinterested spouse is not involved in the financial planning process. Huge red flag. And, you know, no, I mean, we're in a technological world now, but not everything is, you know, on the Internet. Not everything is, is, is accessible. 
I have a lot of clients who have insurance investments or and and they get a paper statement still and they store it in a drawer. And I, I met with a, a a client the other day, a relatively new client. He said, "Hey Bob, anything happens to me, this top drawer here is my uh, fixed annuity yeah. drawer. My uh, other investment drawers over here. I have a little you know cowboy account I call it where I trade over here." I said, "Well, wait a minute. Does your spouse know about this? Uh, I think she does. I mean, it's amazing where you know we assume." that somehow, magically, all that information that's stored in our brain is going to be passed on to our disinterested spouse uh, just because we're not there any longer. So critical to know where everything is. Know what you own. Know why you own it. That's what I always say, Ray. Yeah, and now there's no excuse, right? Technology has gotten a lot better, and there are password-protected portals where you can put all your information like you can have all your state docs in one place digitized, right? You can have all your insurance policies in one place digitized. You can have all your different accounts in one place digitized. That makes life so much easier knowing that there's a central location that's in a vault uh, electronically that can be accessed as opposed to your point, Dad, just having portfolio statements everywhere in different drawers, estate planning docs everywhere hidden. Um, that doesn't really help. You know, I had a client that had like hidden insurance policies in shoeboxes. <laughs> That's not helpful yeah. for your other spouse. So take advantage of technology, get everything centralized. It makes life so much easier. God forbid something happens to you. You know, Rod, the other thing that I see that uh, it's been an issue, um, and it's something that shouldn't surprise anyone because through life you realize that opposites attract. And it's amazing how you can have two spouses that are diametrically opposed in terms of their views of risk, return, and what's really important, spending. Yes. And that's another key why you want to, it's not fun, but you should do these meetings together to figure out collectively what you're spending. Um, and sometimes you see that in a meeting, you know, the one spouse will say, wait a second, you spend how much? <laughs> so <laughs> getting on the same page with your expenses, your savings plan, it's so critical. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, like, this is what I need. I need to get everything centralized. I need to get a game plan for myself and my spouse. God forbid I'm not here. I'm not on God's green earth at some point. I have everything put together. Here's your shot to do it. We're willing to do it for you. We literally have five slots left. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, Bob and I will run for you our now famous total financial master plan, and we'll do it with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review we literally look at everything. We're going to go as far as building you that personalized financial portal. We'll give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life. And then we can just hone in on every financial issue you've been procrastinating on that you've got to address today, whether it's that income plan for retirement. How do you take social security? How do you draw from your portfolio? How do you factor in inflation? Inflation is going to continue to go up over your lifetime. It's going to double over the next 20 years. You need a dynamic income plan to factor in we're going to help you build that income plan so you don't run out of money. We're going to look at diversification. Markets have been extremely volatile over the course of the last two years. How's your portfolio fared? Has it been volatile as well? Or have you been sitting in cash, paralysis by analysis, can't figure out what to do? We're going to put together that full investment game plan, tie it to your goals, show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street's an industry that loves to sell you products with high costs that are hidden, that are extremely tax inefficient. We're going to do a deep dive of every investment you own, whether it's an annuity, insurance product, mutual fund, brokerage product. We've seen it all. We're going to do a deep dive of all those investments, show you how to reduce all the hidden costs in your portfolio and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make, it's what you take. You'll get our full tax playbook. We have five slots left if you saved over a million dollars for your retirement. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next five callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation, no strings attached, but You'll still be without a plan if you're not one of our next five callers. So give us a call at 844-752-6692 or text 844-752-6692 or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, if you'll learn more about myself and Bob and our firm, Pain Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. Simply go to bebullish.com. 
That's bbullish.com. Stay tuned. We got more, more money coming your way. This is Bob Payne, Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management with this week's market update. This week on the Street of Dreams, stocks rose for the second consecutive week, led by the tech-heavy NASDAQ up 2.4%, followed by the S&P 500 rising 1.4%, while the Dow added another three-quarters of 1%. The economy continues to confound the pundits and remains more resilient than expected in the face of the Federal Reserve's attempts to tame inflation at the economy's expense. Inflation has been moderating nicely, but not bringing the economy down with it. Consumer spending has continued to grow, as employment has continued to grow, and real GDP jumped a whopping 4.9% last quarter. Third quarter earnings season is more than 85% complete, and results were better than expected and surprised to the upside. The most widely anticipated recession continues to be a no-show and calls into question the consensus recession predictions from earlier in the year. Perhaps the big surprise next year won't be a recession, but a continuation of the better-than-expected growth we experienced all so far this year. No one knows, and only time will tell. What I do know is sentiment-driven, short-term moves in the market are impossible to predict and impossible to time. However, they do wreak havoc on investors' emotions. It was only two weeks ago when the market experienced a three-month, 10% correction, and pessimism was through the roof. Here we are, two weeks later, and the majority of that correction has been recovered. As famous investor Sir John Templeton so famously said, bull markets are born on pessimism. They grow on skepticism, mature on optimism, and die on euphoria. With the perma bears and the pessimists not only admitting they got it wrong, they're actually doubling down on their skepticism. I have to believe this baby bull still has plenty of room to grow. Hey, my son Ryan and I, we have 75 years of combined industry experience of building low-cost, tax-efficient, goal-based portfolios. For your free evaluation, all you need to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, this is Bob Payne. I'm the Chief Investment Strategist of Payne Capital Management. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy, he's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show. Uh, we are on WABC Talk Radio, saluting all our great veterans who have protected our freedoms and our free enterprise system. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for wearing the uniform. We wouldn't be the great country without you. So we we uh, salute your sacrifice, your courage, your bravery, your brotherhood. Um, and so uh, if you see a if you see a veteran today, please shake their hand for me and salute them for their great service. Uh, I have on now, by the way, just as a reminder, in about 10 minutes or so, I will start taking your calls on the More Money hotline. And that number is 1-800-848-9222. The question of the day, we won't have a lot of time, so I'm just going to ask people for one reason, you tell me why it is you think Republicans so underperformed. Why didn't they get the job done on Tuesday? Why did not? Why didn't voters uh, buy their message? What are the Republicans doing wrong? And we'll get to your callers soon on one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. But in the meantime, I'll ask the world's expert that question about why Republicans didn't perform better on Tuesday in these um, off-year elections with uh, one of the smartest political minds in America. I uh, served with him on the Wall Street Journal editorial board for 10 years. Um, he is also a senior fellow at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, works with uh, me and Steve Forbes and, uh, and of course, the great uh, Arthur Laffer. Uh, John, thanks for joining. What is your diagnosis? Uh, if you were talking to Ronna McDonald, who runs the RNC, what advice would you give her as we enter into now the big, one of the biggest elections of our life, 2024? 
advice I would give her is term limits are a good idea. Almost no one serves longer than her as Republican National Committee chair. It's time for mm-hmm. some fresh blood, not because I she's agree. an awful job, but because she's it's been terrible for someone new. So yep. I all of these elections were local. And I would say local reasons predominated. But if I had to pick one reason why Republicans underperformed, it would be this. Yep. Donald Trump has energized the Republican Party, brought in new people. Uh, he has changed the dynamics of the party's appeal when it comes to minorities, when it comes to um, middle class, blue collar workers, mm-hmm. Midwesterns, Midwesterners. But that doesn't translate into these people who normally were cynical and not didn't vote, it doesn't convince them to necessarily vote when Donald Trump's name is not on the ballot. Yeah. And that's a problem yep. because yep. Donald Trump has a third of the party who loves him, a third of the party who's ambivalent but thinks he's the <laughs> best guy to run yeah. against Joe Biden, and a third that has a lot of concerns about him. And getting yeah. convincing all of those people in a single message to turn out and vote in, a, in an off-year election is hard. So, John, can I interrupt you for one second? Was the what were the what was the turnout like in these midterm? I mean, obviously, it's a it's always low turnout when you have an off year election like this. But what were the numbers like? Well, in uh, in Virginia, both sides spent an awful lot of money. I think the Democrats had a more focused and targeted early voting effort, and that's mm-hmm. the big problem we have. We've turned election day into election month. And right. that not only creates chaos and confusion, but also can uh, create, shall we say, transparency and election integrity problems. The real tragedy in Virginia, where Jalen Ben Youngkin was trying to take control of the legislature, was that the Democrats and the Republicans each got 50 percent of the vote. So, you know, Youngkin basically mm-hmm. got the same vote out that he did before. Mm-hmm. but. It was mm-hmm. in the, distributed in the right places. The Republicans lost the state house in, in Virginia by 800 votes. They lost the state mm. senate by 900 votes. Oh my God! <laughs> Given all the money that was spent, that's an incredible number. Say that again. Give those numbers again. If 800 votes in one in two or three districts had changed hands, uh, Republicans would have taken over the House of Delegates. Oh my gosh! And if wow. 1,900 votes had changed hands, Republicans would have won the state senate and had the governorship in both houses of the legislature. So, John, you have a great new study out uh, under the banner of the Committee on Unleashed Prosperity. It just came out uh, right at the time of the election on this issue that I didn't know much about until you called it to my attention. And I read the report and I was kind of appalled by what's going on. And this is something called automatic voter registration. And as I read your report, it just makes me very, very nervous that, and I think you say about half the states have this now, where um, there's no kind of assurance that these people who are being automatically registered to vote are actually U.S. citizens, that they're eligible to vote, whether they have residency. This is making me very nervous. Well, it should. You know, just a few years ago in Pennsylvania, it was uncovered that everyone who showed up at the DMV to renew their driver's license uh, was asked if they wanted to register to vote on this right. computer screen that they were using. So a lot, of, you know, people say, "Sure, why not?" The one yeah. thing it didn't ask is, "Are you a citizen?" So, so hold on, hold, that's this see. is <laughs> this is so astonishing to me that because you can get, I mean, you can get a vote a driver's license in this country without being a citizen, but you can't vote with. <laughs> being a citizen. So this autom- them automatically saying just because you show up to get a driver's license that you can be registered to vote. I mean, it's the same thing in a lot of these welfare agencies probably as well. I mean, I just find this to be so troubling because, you know, we, we all are worried about the integrity of our elections. I know my listeners on this show, they talk about all the time about the cheating that's going on. And look, I'm not, this is your area of expertise, but my God, I mean, how can they do that without checking whether the person is actually a citizen? Well, it turns out that the state bureaucrats said, oh, this was a terrible mistake. We never intended this to happen for over Oh, years. sure it was. Yeah, sure the that was a mistake. I'm sure they feel really bad about it. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I do think that um, there's a way to catch some of these people. You know, in jurisdiction after jurisdiction, people get jury duty notices. Uh, you might get some. And they basically take them from the voter registration rolls. 
Well, some television stations and also a law firm called the Public Interest Legal Foundation has gone to a lot of places where there's been voter fraud allegations and said, well, give us the name of the people who uh, got jury notices and said they couldn't serve in the jury because they weren't citizens, and then give <laughs> us the voter rolls that, and ask, right. you know, did you, did you right. vote? So it turns out that in every place they do this, hundreds and hundreds of people have told the courts, well, I can't vote. I'm not a citizen, but they're voting or registered to vote on the local voter rolls, except in places like Virginia and other states, because the Democratic governors have said to the local election officials, these records are not public. You cannot give them to anyone who asks for them. So we have a complete lack of transparency in some places on this. So I just want to remind people, I mean, the problem, of course, with this is that essentially when someone is illegally voting, uh, they're not a citizen or they're not a resident or for whatever reason, they're not uh, eligible to vote. And when they vote, they're basically just disenfranchising you. They're taking your vote away from you yourself because they're, they could be basically canceling out your vote. It's, it's infuriating. And my, my, the problem, the one thing I worry about, John, because you've written, um, several books on voter fraud over the years. You're, you are the world's expert. I, I worry that our, you know, people who are voting legally are just going to be discouraged. I mean, I feel like, why should I go out and vote when they're just stealing so many votes? That is a problem. And I think that what we have to do is, first of all, increase transparency. People should have access to all of these records. We should right. also remind people that, you can. You, we should have more lawsuits from the Justice Department. The Biden Justice Department is an interest in this. The Biden Justice Department has the right to sue states that don't clean up their rotor rolls. It's federal law that they have to take off people who have moved, died, uh, mm-hmm. no longer eligible, committed crimes, and haven't gotten their rights restored, and they won't do it. We have to have an automatic process by which the states are encouraged to keep their rotor rolls clean, because even yeah. the Pew Research Center, which is a liberal group, says one out of eight registrations in this country, Steve, is inaccurate or oh my outdated God. or not usable. Oh my God! So that's John. That's millions and millions of <laughs> of you know inaccurate information, which is really scary yeah, to me. We can't so prove I, whether or not these people are voting, but we can certainly be suspicious that the process is so easy. Of course, that anyone can waltz in and vote if they want to, and no, they won't get caught. So um, you said in your report, I think, if I remember correctly, that about half the states have this automatic voter registration. And there are, in my opinion, in terms of the presidential election uh, in 2024, there's, you know, five or six states that really, you know, are probably going to determine the outcome of that election. And you know those states, Georgia, you've got uh, obviously Michigan, you've got Pennsylvania, you've got Wisconsin. Arizona, maybe Nevada. Now, do those states have automatic voter registration? Uh, Some do, some don't. Pennsylvania, which did not have it, just announced that they're going to move over to that starting next year. So that's a concern because, as you know, Pennsylvania is a huge state and it's always highly contested. So uh, last thing, John, appreciate you taking some time on this Saturday afternoon. By the way, I'm talking to John Fun, formerly the political writer at the Wall Street Journal Editorial Board. Now, among other th- things, he's with National Review and also works with me at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Um, as you, you know, what is the takeaway uh, in just, you know, 90 seconds about what advice are you giving to the Republicans um, and I know you're not a necessarily a Republican, but if you were, uh, you know, what would you, what advice do you give Republicans about how they can win in 2024? Uh, you know, Donald Trump, for better or worse, it looks like he's likely to be the nominee. What's the strategy? Well, the strategy has to be to remind people where this country was four years ago and where it is right. now. And whether right. you like Donald Trump's style or not, and believe me, I have some problems with him. He says the darndest thing, <laughs> right. as Art Linkletter used to say. Uh, <laughs> you have to ask yourself, is the country safer and more secure than it was? Is our border safer and more secure? Is our economy producing the jobs mm-hmm. that we need? Is in the and is, Are we getting the job training to our young people and having the educational system that we need? And finally, Steve, this is the really big question. 
Mm-hmm. Are people's personal income it's increasing, right. or are they stagnating right. as the middle class found for the last 20 years? And under Trump, they were going up with the tax cut that he passed. And under Biden, they have stalled now that all that federal largesse and the stimulus money is over, and they are going down. People are earning less and having to struggle to buy a house or rent yeah. more than ever. Couldn't agree more. That's John Fund, of course, folks, the uh, political analyst par excellence. John Fund, thanks so much for joining. Okay, folks, we've got about uh, five or six minutes left, so I want to take as many, get as many of your calls in as possible. Um, this is uh, the More Money Show. One 9222 is our uh, is our hot More Money Hotline. Mr. Producer, who is our first caller this afternoon? We've got Tom and Yonkers. Tom, thanks for calling. We've only, we don't have a lot of time, so tell me one Hi, reason I'll you tell think. You real fast. Okay, yeah. the Republicans missed the chance of uh, turning the Iran, I'm sorry, the Israel-Hamas war into an issue of terrorism that could happen here. Do what happened yes. to them could have happened here. They had one month to change their uh, yes. order of issues, and they didn't. You know, Tom, great call, fantastic point. I could not agree more. Love that. Okay, who's next, Mister Producer? Got Rich in New Jersey. Rich, thanks for calling. Uh, what have you got? What are the things? What are Republicans doing wrong? Uh, the Republicans lost for the same reason. People are protesting against Israel. Andrew Sullivan wrote a piece with proven examples of disinformation we've been fed for the last few years. It's called "When All the Media Narratives Collapse." The bottom line is people are acting on information they get from liars and morons who believe the liars. Well, what lie are you talking about? Uh, there was a, uh, all the lies about the kid uh, that shot the guys, and uh, I forget okay. what that was. There was a trial, okay, that a couple of years ago. Uh, the the, um, the Steele dossier. I mean, read the piece by Andrew Sullivan. Yeah. When all the media I will. Okay. Very, very good advice. Thank you for the call. It's the More Money Show, by the way. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Who was our next caller, Mr. Producer? Susan in New Jersey. Susan, thanks for calling. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Uh, I think Mitt Romney said it best. The more we talk about abortion, the worse we're doing. Get off that stump, gentlemen, okay? Let's talk about improving the economy and bringing down the high cost of living. I mean, this party needs to be modernized. This party needs to get over these social issues. We're not the socialist party, so stop trying to be it. It's not working. So, Susan, um, let let me just, uh, since you are a woman, obviously, uh, and this is a woman's (laughs) issue, are you, are are you, I mean, the Republicans are now saying maybe like 16 weeks uh, abortion is illegal and after that not. Would you go for that? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. You know, you can sit there and split hairs and this, that, and the other thing. At the end of the day, it's a woman's body. And you know what? If if I were in that position and I I was uh, 17 weeks and for whatever personal reason I had been raped or whatever— I'd find a way to do it. And that's what these guys don't understand. They're just blind. Yeah, well, it's, you're right, Susan. This is an issue that clearly is hurting the Republicans right now, and I'm a pro-life guy, but I hear what you're saying. Okay, I think we have time for one or two more quick ones, Mr. Producer. Who's next? Curtis in New York City. Curtis, thanks for calling. Uh, nice talking with you, um, uh, Steve Moore. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of the criticism focuses on Biden, and I, I don't want to defend him anyway. He's a poor excuse for a, for a president. But, um, you know, it doesn't stick to the rest of the, the Democrat Party, I think. Yes, and that's what in the elections. But his policies on the Democrat Party, socialist policies, his open border they is are. their open border. His corruption is the Democrat Party's corruption. They knowingly supported him, elected him, the socialists elected him. Yes, a great point. You know, sometimes I think it's, we talk too much about Joe Biden and his policies have been a disaster, obviously, in every way. 